Hi, I'm Zakia Elias and this is Representation Matters, a conversation around equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace podcast series by The Equal Group, bringing you stories, insights and learnings around optimising equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Welcome to today's episode where I'm joined by Isabel Janifran, who is a freelance journalist and campaigner. Determined not to let her cystic fibrosis hold her back, Izzy is passionate about giving underrepresented groups a voice and has written a number of articles on health and disability for media outlets such as The Guardian, Independent and Lacuna Voices. I had the opportunity to catch up with Izzy to find out more about her experiences, the struggles and realities of living with a hidden disability and what employers working with underrepresented individuals should be more aware of. Our conversation began with me asking, who is Isabel Janifrand? Hey, thank you so much. (laughs) So I am a freelance journalist and campaigner. Um, I've been freelancing for a year and a half and uh, written for a number of national papers like The Guardian, Independent, BMJ and Vice. Um, And I campaign a lot around access to medications in the NHS. And most recently around a people's COVID-19 vaccine so that we can fight for everybody in the world to get access to a vaccine. Uh, I also have cystic fibrosis, so a lot of my work centres around living with an invisible illness, as well as raising awareness. So my features focus on disability discrimination so that I can help to fight against the prejudice that we often face. Oh, okay. See, I had no idea that you were also involved in campaigning around people's access to medication. I think um, now more than ever, um, ensuring that there is equal access to vaccines is so important and something that we often don't really think about, but we shouldn't really be complacent about as well. So then in terms of your career as a freelance writer, have you always been interested in journalism and media or is there another specific reason that you decided to become a freelance writer? Well, I actually started a blog about living with CF when I was at university and it was mainly just for me to connect with the CF community and make friends with people who are going through the same experiences as me. And also I know that navigating this illness as a teenager at school and at university is just very challenging so I wanted to offer like my advice from my personal experiences so that's how I sort of knew I loved writing and then I got involved with student media and then I did an internship at the Guardian and I got to write about invisible disability and even at that point I didn't know I wanted to be a journalist or freelance writer I just knew that if this was my only like opportunity to write for a big national paper then I wanted it to be about invisible disability so that I could help raise awareness because it doesn't get enough attention in the media so that was really important to me. You mentioned that you have a blog where you focus on writing about life with cystic fibrosis Um, if you don't mind can you share what your experience of living with an invisible disability has been like and what some of the challenges are that you face that people may not be aware of because from what I understand there are quite a few misconceptions about cystic fibrosis a lot of people you know compare people who have cystic fibrosis with those who have asthma so I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah CF is basically a genetic life-threatening disease that causes passageways in the lungs and digestive system to become blocked with thick sticky mucus which eventually leads to fatal um, lung damage so yeah it, it really does vary even within the CF community everybody that has CF has slightly different symptoms slightly different 
severities of the disease. So I also suffer with pancreatitis and osteoporosis. So yeah, it really is an illness that affects a lot more than just your lungs. And I think that is where one of the misconceptions lies that it's like a lung disease, which it does affect your lungs, but it also affects lots of other things like it can affect your liver and like lots, lots of things. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And I have faced a lot of challenges because CF is an invisible illness. So unless people know I have it, they didn't necessarily tell by just looking at me. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that disability is something unique to each person, because I do agree that it needs to be more widely recognised that generalisations about disabled people need to be avoided, since every individual's needs are specific. Um, so you've also written articles on workplace discrimination and the barriers that people with underrepresented characteristics face when it comes to entering the world of work. I know that you graduated from university in 2019 and I myself am a recent graduate so to an extent I understand the difficulties of applying to jobs itself. However I can only imagine that job hunting must be even harder for someone who has a disability and particularly one that is not visible to the eye. So I'm curious to know Izzy what has this process been like for you? Yeah, I mean, trying to find a job with an invisible illness or any disability, to be honest, is very challenging and it's actually been very disheartening. Mm. For me personally, like my needs are probably less immediately obvious. So I sort of need like flexible working hours, the ability to work from home and like time off for appointments. But companies don't really realise that. And because they know like tiny bits about what CF is, they sort of make their own prejudice about that and decide that, I'm going to be lazy and miss time mm. off work and I'm not going to, be able to give all my effort because I'm going to be in bed a lot and it just makes my life so much harder because yeah I do need all those things so I will sometimes need to have to um, be in bed a bit I will need to have time off but if those adjustments are made for me when I am working I'll be able to work harder when those adjustments aren't made then my illness gets worse because I'm putting it under so much stress and then I can't be as productive so it, it just like is a continuous loop if they don't help accommodate my needs then I can't give them what they need and so I because I've been freelancing I'm like lucky that I can work for myself yeah but when I've been applying for jobs that's been really difficult because as soon as I mentioned that I have CF they immediately question whether I'll be capable of doing mm. the work and how much effort I'll be able to put in and they'll say will your disability affect you and like yes obviously oh, it yeah. will like <laughs> I don't understand and um I'm always upfront with it and mention it on my CV even because mm. I don't want to work for a company that's not going to accommodate me from the off. And as soon as I make my reasonable adjustments, which has literally been at the moment, I just need to have the interview online because I'm shielding. Yeah. They'll just ignore me. They won't reply to my emails, even though they've said I was such a strong candidate. Immediately wow. when I've asked for mm. that to be um, accommodated for, they're like, they just ignore me completely. Um, and the thing is this isn't a unique experience to me disabled people experience this all the time and people often say oh but there's the disability discrimination act it's illegal this can't happen and I'm like I know but it still does and it's so hard to prove as well of course and you know it's completely unfair that you even have to go to the extent of proving yourself and I actually find it quite ironic that an employer refused to give you a video interview when throughout this entire pandemic, the main way that people have been communicating is through video calls online. I know. And it was during the pandemic. So oh, it was wow. in summer. So everybody should have been set up to do it from home. But they were so insistent that I come in and I obviously I can't put my health at risk. That has to yeah. come first. So, I mean, they didn't reply to me in the end anyway. They just ignored me. But yeah, it's just frustrating, I imagine. Yeah, 
Something that also struck me as quite ironic is the assumption that disabled people aren't going to be as hardworking, when in fact I think people with disabilities and underrepresented characteristics are probably more likely to work even harder to prove that they are just as worthy of a job as someone who doesn't have a disability. Yeah, definitely. I think that underrepresented and minority groups have to just push themselves so hard just to prove they're worthy to even be there and that they can and just to prove that they're good enough and it's like so unfair because that should just be a given like you've read my cv you know i'm able but i have to then push myself so hard that i risk my illness just so that you give me respect like that's just not right yeah and so as you mentioned you know even though it's been 25 almost 25 years after the discrimination disability act has been passed prejudice um, in the world of work still clearly exists and there's a long way to go to ensure that there is equality for disabled people and research from scope which is a national disability charity found that you know one in three people actually view disabled people as being less productive than non-disabled people um, so you briefly mentioned some experiences that you've had but do you have any other examples perhaps you know um, for yourself from yourself or other people who have experienced discrimination or any sort of microaggressions you know in the workplace yes yeah, so i actually did a feature on this for vice the last week and i spoke to a few people who had a range of disabilities and you know so many people actually got in touch with me but I could only use five and it was just so upsetting because I knew it was bad but then getting all these stories it was just so much worse than I thought it could be um one person I spoke to he um started going blind in 2019 and he had to have surgery to remove a tumor from his brain and it was clear that his sight wasn't going to return and about four weeks after he got home from surgery his HR team at work called him and said that now he was blind they thought it'd be best if they demoted him from manager in his own interest and they didn't even assess his capabilities so they had no idea what he'd be capable of anyway and then he ended up being made redundant. Oh wow that is unfair and completely unacceptable. I actually can't even begin to imagine how stressful that must be and the impact that it must have on a person's mental health. Have you yourself ever felt the need then to kind of defend your illness or prove your illness or even downplay it in certain circumstances just because it's not visible? Yeah, I mean, because I have worked for myself since I graduated, it's been a bit hard for me to say like in the workplace, but I have all the time had to play my illness down, I think, because people have this idea of what my disability should be like. The thing is, it's difficult because although I do play it down on occasion, I also sometimes have to you know play it up a bit because if I'm walking around and I smile people will say well you don't look ill you can't be in pain like all this prejudice and discrimination at the fact that I don't look ill I don't even know what that means yeah and then I feel like I have to look unhappy or sad because otherwise they'll think I'm lying which people have told me before and this this wasn't at work but I told my landlord that I was disabled and he just looked me up and down and laughed in my face and it's just I was so shocked I didn't even really say anything but I think my confidence and standing up for myself has definitely um, increased over the last year before that whenever I experienced any negative situation I just would stay silent because it's very scary having to defend yourself especially in times where your illness is probably flaring up yeah Um, you're just kind of focusing on getting through the pain to like get home rather than having to tell a stranger that they shouldn't be saying that to you and that you deserve to be using the disabled services Uh, it's just hard 
And it's quite upsetting to know that there are probably loads of people out there who are suffering silently because they either feel embarrassed or feel as though they can't speak out to get the support, not only that they need, but are entitled to. Um, so this kind of leads me to ask you, what do you think employers and companies need to do to make organisations, well, society in general, more accessible and inclusive to those with invisible disabilities and underrepresented characteristics? First of all, I think that like different organisations just need to become more educated on the type mm. of disabilities because there's a wide range and they all need their own accommodations. And I would say that a lot needs to be done for mental health because mental health is not taken as seriously as physical health and people who need time off for their mental health are not as likely to get it as somebody who's physically unwell and that just needs to change because that's a huge problem especially at work and especially this year has been a very very difficult year for a lot of people um, but I think there just needs to be greater support I mean if that's sitting down with people and having meetings but having around well-being and putting stuff like that into place just to make sure that people's needs are met from the first day that they know where they stand with the company and that they know they're going to be looked after and feel safe at work I think that's something that's so important I think often rather than the company trying to make the job and the business accommodating for us it's more like we have to prove that we can join the company and be productive enough to be there but I think at the same time they should be proving to us that they can accommodate our needs. Yeah, so it's a two-way kind of conversation that's needed, as well as taking the time to become more educated, open and honest. Definitely. And I also think there needs to be greater support in especially bigger companies for people to go to get help if they've experienced discrimination at work. There's not enough help. I know there's HR teams, but I think there needs to be more because a lot of the time the HR teams are the one that are also adding to the discrimination. So I think there just needs to be a better system in place. I know that um, Parliament have launched a review into disability employment, especially because of the high amount of underemployment there is. Um, and I think that the charity Scope are asking disabled people to share their stories. And I think that's going to be really powerful as well, because they can't make a change without knowing what happens. And I think by sharing our stories through this way, because often we don't get believed, sharing it through um, Scope might really help get about the change that we need. Yeah, definitely. And what you are saying makes me wonder whether you think that employers and companies simply assume that disabled people will be less hardworking and a burden, or do you generally think that they just don't have an awareness of the existence of invisible disabilities and therefore they don't have the right support in place to cater to such needs? That's a difficult question. I think a bit of both, but it's hard to believe that people wouldn't be aware of invisible yeah. disabilities, especially in light of everything this year. But if they aren't aware of it, then, yeah, there needs to be greater, greater education if that's through like training, through work, whatever that may be. But I do think that also it's just their perceptions that will be a burden on them. And I do think that quite often it's a case of them trying to find another reason why they won't employ us, even though it's quite obvious that it's my disability because I am very skilled for the job and I'm a perfect candidate. But they still don't hire me because they're worried that I won't be able to do the best for their company but I know I know that I can and I think that's just the frustrating thing because you know disabled people have to apply to so many more jobs than able-bodied people and there are so many less of us in jobs even though we apply to so many more and it's just that shouldn't be the case especially not today like the the discrimination act in place 25 years ago should have helped this but yeah. clearly it hasn't 
And so when you mentioned that uh, there needs to be, you know, greater training, um, when employers are receiving uh, disability awareness training, I'm curious to know whether you think there should be more diversity amongst the people who are conducting the training, you know, should they be disabled or have underrepresented characteristics themselves, since they will have a deeper understanding of the needs and support that is necessary for people like them? Yeah, definitely. I think that diversity is the most important thing in any workplace, whether that's disability, race, like all everything. I think that workplaces need to do better on that front and I think that when they're having training it needs to come from the people who experience it and not just to get their stories and use them in that way but I mean to help the company and in the companies to hire people that are disabled for example and also listen to them through training as well I think that that's just so important because it's all fine somebody else telling them this is what an invisible disability is but hearing it from my mouth or somebody who's been through it and lived it it's just different. Yeah, there's probably a deeper understanding. And when you are represented, it not only you know helps create a more comfortable and inclusive environment, particularly for minorities, but I think it also helps encourage people to learn about those that, who are different from themselves. Yeah. Um, something that just popped into my head, as you mentioned it. So I know that you're working for yourself as a freelancer, um, but when you're at university and then, you know, kind of moving on from university, have you noticed that there's a difference in, you know the support that you received or is there a difference um in a way that's hard for me to answer because I don't work for a company so I don't know how they would support yeah. me but as much as I did love my uni there wasn't great support mm. for disabled students and I felt very frustrated at times because I'd be in hospital for long periods of time and they couldn't help me at all I would my tutors would help me write letters to defend like and help me get all the information I'd need so that I could have special consideration or whatever it would be or adjustments made but the board who decide would just say there's nothing they can do and they'd never even met me and I think that that's that's happened at university and I am sure that it happens in companies as well that the people who make the decisions have never even met the person or barely know what they've been through so I haven't I can't really compare but I don't think that the support in university is very good either I mean, I remember I'd been in hospital for like weeks and weeks and it was my final year. So I had my dissertation due and loads of projects and I was sat in my tutor's office and I was crying and they were just like, there is literally nothing we can do. You have to do all this work, like unless you want to do another year. And I just couldn't put my health through another year. So it was just, yeah, I mean, they were nice to me, but there wasn't anything they could do. So, yeah. So I think that, you know, some of the things that I really admire about you, Izzy, is your passion, determination, and the way you've kind of used your disability to not only break stereotypes, but build yourself a career and ultimately challenge the negative connotations that tend to be associated with the word disabled. So then I want to know, is there any advice that you would give people who are underrepresented or living with a hidden disability? You know, first of all, I would say is that You don't have to talk about your trauma if you don't want to. And you don't have to share experiences that you don't feel comfortable with just to be successful, whatever. I know I use my disability a lot in my work, but you shouldn't have to do that. But what I would say in general life, if you have a disability, is as hard as it is, try and find the confidence to speak up and defend yourself. Because that is the only way that things will get better. If I had stood up for myself and I was being told not to use priority seating on a train, I might have got to keep my seat on the train but because I didn't say anything I ended up having to stand the whole journey and it it is terrifying when you're feeling so unwell the last thing you want to do is get into a discussion with somebody who might call you a liar or want to get a bit aggressive with you so I would just say that maybe just 
explain I'm disabled as well would anybody else be able to move something like that I just think defend yourself but also don't feel pressure that you have to speak out in all areas of your life if you don't feel comfortable and you shouldn't have to share things that are like vulnerable to you that's what yeah. I would say yeah I think, that, I think that's really good advice especially the idea that there should be no pressure for people to have to explain themselves or speak out if they don't necessarily feel comfortable doing so um, so we are nearing the end of the podcast now, Izzy, and I wanted to ask you a final question. What are your future plans? And I know you are still very young, but, you know, just thinking ahead, is there a particular goal that you would like to achieve? I think I just want to keep working at raising awareness about disability. I know that a lot of my work focuses around it. And I think that sometimes people think I've been like pushed into this area, right? I only write about disability. <laughs> and I and that's like not true because I've chosen to do this yeah because I just it's so important to me because of my CF I don't actually know like how many years I'll be able to work and especially will I be able to work full-time I just don't know any of that um so the times that I am working I just want to help and raise awareness about invisible disability I mean my own personal goal I'd like to be a health writer but I also do a lot of campaigning and I really want to keep doing that because there's been a lot of struggles to access to medication in the CF community, but also mm. just around the world. So that's something that I absolutely love doing. So I'd also like to continue that. I mean, at the moment, I feel like what I'm doing is what I want to keep doing. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm quite lucky. OK, so it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Izzy, and I really appreciate you taking the time out to share some of your experiences and knowledge with us today. I think that this has been a very interesting discussion and I'm sure listeners will have a lot to take away from today's episode. So once again, I want to thank you so much and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. Wherever you're tuning in from, we'd love to hear from you. What were your learnings from today's conversation? Is there anything you'd like to add? Let us know using the hashtag TEGpodcast on Twitter, or you can reach out to us anytime via contact at theequalgroup.com. And in the meantime, head on over to our website, theequalgroup.com, for more insights and articles around equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Why not join our mailing list to be the first to get updates on all the latest EDI news, as well as our free monthly EDI training webinars? And finally, to stay tuned for more podcast interviews coming up soon, make sure you are following us at The Equal Group on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, everyone.